awesome. I have uh, the pleasure today of having the modern age renaissance man, Owen McGran, on the podcast. We are going to probably cover like the whole wide spectrum of human existence from death to <laughs> the meaning of time, um, whether that be the billable hour or just time itself. So um, I am really pumped to have Owen here uh, today. Um, so I'll turn it over to Owen to give a brief introduction of who you are. What yeah, thank you. Have. Thank you so much. Um, it's I've been looking forward to this. I think, you know, we were before we hit record, we were both saying that, you know, in some ways we see mirrors of each other. Uh, when 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 I think of you, you know, it, it brings up a lot of the kind of things that I care about and that I think about and that I talk about. Um, I appreciate being called a modern day uh, Renaissance man. I'm usually called much worse epithets. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I am, um, I guess technically a lawyer. Um, I don't think of myself primarily or maybe even secondary or tertiary mm -hmm. as an attorney. Um, it's something that I happen to do. You know, when I was trying to figure out how to, um, you know, get paid and and buy food and um, you know uh, afford a mortgage, I realized that playing rock music wasn't going to be the way that was going to get it done. And the, the sort of Venn diagrams between what I'm good at and what people would pay me to do, there's a small sliver in the middle there, a tiny sliver, and an attorney fell in that. So, so, so what would you what would you consider yourself primarily or secondarily? Like if you if you're like, this is who I am. What is it? I I am curious. Ah, um, you know the. The, the thing that gets me excited every day isn't isn't any particular thing. It's learning something. It's figuring something out. Some of that's probably my ADHD where I get really bored really easily. So I need a constant stream of new and interesting kind of things to, to keep me going. Mm. Um, You'll like this. You'll like this as a kid. And this is how I am. So this is how I interact with the world. And I'm unraveling this with my therapist is within a coloring book. I would only ever complete half of the coloring page before I went to the next page. Because you figured it out, right? Yeah. And so that's how it's like a, an analogy of my life of, mm -hmm. well, I, I, I did it. I'm satisfied with this page enough. I'm going to the next page. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what does the next page bring? <laughs> well, well, that, that's the thing, right? You know, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, um, I do think I have a natural ability to do is I, I can see systems almost immediately, right? So I can take little bits of information and then just see how how the system that created those bits of data works. Um, that can be really, really useful, but it can also be a thing where, you know, you're in the middle of something you're like, oh, okay, that's how it works. And then you're like, peace out, I'm done. Yeah. And people are like, hold, hold on, hold on. We, we've, got a, we've got this whole, you know, breadth of work over here left to do. And I was like, yeah, but that's boring now. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm not interested. In that. That's really, really fascinating. And so uh, when you see you're curious, how does that show up then in your work as being an attorney? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, in... So I, I have uh, two firms because I'm a masochist. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the reason I have two firms is initially it was one firm. And then I realized that the two practice areas had very, very different client um, avatars, right? 
um, one, I work with startups and early stage businesses, which is a certain kind of person. Sure. And then I, then I do estate planning, which is a very different kind of person, right? So having a unified marketing voice was nearly impossible, right? Um, and so I decided to split them up into two different things so that, you know, you could develop a coherent voice for each firm that, that spoke to the people that I was looking to work with. And how do you have that structure? They're, they're separate standalone entities. They are, they are two separate, um, businesses. Yeah. Two different professional LLCs. How's that, how's that going? Managing two basically boutique law firms yeah so it sounds a lot better before you start doing it um <laughs> you know i i mean the, the, there there are certain things that are um frustrating about it you know for instance i have two different email addresses that i have to attend to and you know um two different uh you know um content management systems and you know two different websites and all that kind of stuff but i mean ultimately that's neither here nor there that the, the issue is, you know, I'm not always the, the best at detail, right? The, I'm, I'm a big picture guy. Big picture yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. And so, you know, things like making sure that, you know, the, the books are kept separate, you know, and, and things like that become a bit of a, you know, a hassle. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, the the good thing about it is it, it it has really enabled me to separate out not just voice but purpose right that the kind of things that we do the way that firms are structured so that they serve the the needs of the the populations that that they are designed to serve and i so one of the things that how i view my law firm is sometimes like a lab like an mm -hmm. experimentation lab. Yeah. And so does this allow you to like iterate or see yeah. like, okay, I'm going to try this one thing here and try a different thing here and then see what works? Yeah, 100%, right? And uh, it's, it's interesting in that, you know, the, the, the two different practice areas also have fundamentally different business models, right? Estate, estate planning is... Um, kind of a churn business. It's it's you get people in, you do the work well. Hopefully, you get them out. You know, you, if you want to, you can get them on a maintenance plan so that if something changes, they can come to you without having to redo everything, and they'll pay you, a, you know, a subscription kind of thing. And that's a nice steady flow, right? Yep. With with the startups, it's purposely designed for me to take bets. Hmm. Right. So sure. there are there are a bunch of companies that come to me or not get companies and they're like, here's what we want to do. We can't afford you. And there are enough of them that I find really interesting. Interesting enough to say, okay, if you give me a piece of equity, I'll get you up and running. And then when you can afford to pay me, you pay me, but I keep the piece of equity. Right. And so probably 90% of the time that piece of equity might not turn into anything, right? But, but that ten percent of the time, it's, <laughs> if, if I am if I am being yeah. smart in the in the companies that I am betting on, you know that could be a, a pretty significant you know long term play. Well, it's like uh, I think it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the person who initially did the art at Facebook's first headquarters, right? Um, they couldn't pay them. They're like, hey, we'll give you. Uh, equity in Facebook, and so him doing like the the initial artwork of Facebook turned into millions of dollars. 
Right. And so, and so what do you then feel about attorneys and risk? Uh, and is your risk calculus, is your risk calculus different or how is kind of, is, yes, is fundamentally different from, from most attorneys. Um, you know, we are trained to view risk as the enemy, right? It must be crushed at all costs, right? Minimized, destroyed, you know, salt the earth of, you know, where risk lives. But risk is the currency of business, right? And the way that you grow a business is through risk. Now, hopefully it's calculated risk. You know, it's not just willy-nilly like, yeah, we'll see what the hell happens, right? And, <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you don't get to where you want to go without taking risk, right? Um, and I approach my work as an attorney as it's my, my job isn't to mitigate risk, right? Which is the way that most attorneys think, right? Yeah. We're here to, to make sure that things are safe and you don't mess up. My job is to make sure you understand the risk that you that you are aware of what you are doing and fully apprised of what the cost and the benefit of it going well or not going well, what those are. It's like right? it's it's, it's uh, empowering the client as opposed right. to almost like saving the client from their their own foibles. Exactly. Right. Um you know, I, I view myself when I work with a client as as a part of the business as opposed to somebody outside, you know, who is a police policeman basically saying, <laughs> be careful here, exactly. right? You know, it's, you know, and, and the only way that you can really do that is if you actually understand what the business is, what it does, how it works, what it's trying to accomplish, what the customer base is. And so in order to do that, you really need to to understand and dive into what the business is as opposed to thinking of it as some abstract you know company that you know typically lawyers think of our clients as or or they ignore the the human element of it so right. what, so what in your experiences in your life has led you to think from a professional standpoint of risk in this way so i, I think some of it is um simply a, a a natural thing for me um i think some of it has to do with my adhd uh, people with adhd have to tend to have much higher thresholds of of risk tolerance than than other people sure. you'll be you might not be shocked to hear that um entrepreneurs have a statistically higher uh, incidence rate of adhd than than the general population and it, it i think goes directly to that that relationship with risk and um, so, I mean, in terms of your ADHD, how do you see that as and leverage that as a superpower? So, you know, there it, it can be a superpower. It can also, you know, it's I, I find a lot of people with ADHD. They're like, yeah, it's a superpower. I can hyperfocus. I can do all this kind of stuff, and that's true, right? But the problem is sometimes your hyperfocus is. You're, you're, you have an operating agreement due to your client the next day and you're spending the entire night, you know, uh, on, on the internet, finding everything that you can possibly learn about a certain kind of 
oil paint that was used in the Northern Renaissance, right? Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. suddenly three in the morning, you're like, what, what was I doing, right? Yeah. So, you know, mm. it is very much a double-edged sword where it can be an unbelievable asset, right? Um, ADHD allows you to think um, elusively, right? Everything is connected somehow, even if to a neurotypical person, things are linear, right? Sure. To, to ADHD, everything is somehow connected. And I'm not sure if, you know, you have ADHD, friends with ADHD, but oftentimes what will happen is you'll find somebody start telling a story after a prompt and you're like, where the hell is this coming from? <laughs> and it goes for like 20 minutes on like, and it's like going down a road that you're like, and then 22 minutes in, it cuts back immediately to where it started and all of it somehow coheres. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. And so there's, there's a natural ability to make connections between and among things. Which is a really important skill in the law. It it's, is. It's, I mean, there's, you're a lot of times comparing things that seem wholly unrelated and creating a narrative of disjointed facts, ambiguous law, and mm -hmm. driving it all together. So you've got a ton of books behind you. Um, <laughs> I do. And so I'm, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the, uh, the narrative uh, right here in stories. Mm -hmm. um, what back there is your favorite book? Uh, right behind me is probably, yeah. um, actually, yeah. here is Brothers Karamazov. Uh, what's that? What? Yeah, what's that about? It's, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's it's probably one of the two or three best Russian novels um, ever written. This and Crime and um, uh, War and Peace are probably my two favorite. But this is a, 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 a uh, an 850-page book about patricide. Um, uh -huh. And it's it's a um, psychological look at the three children of, of the patriarch who was murdered um, and trying to figure out who did it, right? So like a Russian mystery novel. It is, you know, and, 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 and this doesn't really give away anything, but the, yeah. by the end of the book, you realize that who actually killed, physically killed the guy, all of them were, were implicated morally and, and ethically and, you know, in, in, in the way that it goes. And it, it really sort of, it, it's a masterful turn in that, you know, doing the deed itself isn't always the, the worst thing that somebody can do. Right, it could be being complicit, exactly, yeah. or uh, or uh, just uh, arrow by uh, omission, um, right. guilty by association. Right. So why you why know? is it your favorite? Why is it your favorite book? What about it? What is it a theme or the way it's written? So it's it's an eight hundred and fifty page book that if you allowed yourself, you might just sit and read it in one go. And at the same time, it has some of the uh, the most probing um, sections on on religion and atheism, on um, people who are driven by by their their wants and their needs and their their gluttony, and 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 it, it gets into what is it that makes people go right? What is it? What are the elements of of, of people that make us, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is it that makes us so fucked up? Right. Yeah. All the time. Right. I'm just and... like, I, the, the beauty of this is I then just market it as explicit. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, whatever that's, that means. What a clean right, and right. explicit, I think, are the options. Right. Uh, who knows what that actually means? Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, you do you, man, is how yeah, I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it, it is a really penetrating look into what it is to be a person. Right. And um, the things that make us tick, the things that are self destructive, the things that, you know, save us. Right. And it's just a really, it's a beautiful book. It's like the human condition. Yeah. So now I'm going to go to something that you talk about a lot, which mm -hmm. is facing your own mortality. Yeah. Um, and so part of the human condition, and this is a perfect segue actually, mm -hmm. is that we almost deny the fact that we are mortal. <laughs> right. Um, and so talk about your own experience of basically being dead and how that kind <laughs> of has informed the way that you live, you practice, you interact with people, you interact with yourself. Yeah. So, um, the brief background story as to, to where this is coming from and, and yeah. where, where your question, uh, is, is derives. Um, when I was 36, um, I was working in big law. You know, I was doing complex commercial litigation. I was arguing cases all the way up to the Supreme Court. You know, I had what to the outside looked like the life, right? Um, I was miserable the entire time, right? It was it was just terrible. Um, and I ended up um, calling um, then my fiance, now my wife, one night. And I said, she, she's a, a physician. She was out of town for some reason. I said, um, so I started vomiting blood. She's like, okay, are you on the way to the hospital? I was like, should I go to the hospital? <laughs> so so to, to everybody listening, it's not yeah. a good sign if you're vomiting blood. And get to the hospital as soon as you can. Don't yeah. don't be an yeah. idiot like me and be like, I'll get through it. It'll be fine. You'll power through. But that but that's that's what a that's what attorneys do. Right. They, they right. almost deny that they have a personhood that it's uh, it's self body physical self, right? Yep. Yep. Um so I eventually got to the hospital and um, as a um, as a result of what turned out to be a genetic liver disease, um, I developed an ulcer in my duodendum, which a blood vessel burst through flooding my stomach with blood. Not good. Um, in order, they, they tried the normal things to try to, you know, plug the, the hole. Um, nothing worked. Um, and I was told that all right, we've we've got one thing left that we can do. It's a it's an IR surgery. It's got about a ten percent chance of success. Um, I just started laughing. My my dad did not think it was an appropriate time to start laughing. <laughs> um, but humor uh, can be hey, humor can be used. It's the only way through sometimes, right? You know, yeah, you just gotta laugh about it and yeah. say, well, what else? <laughs> what else am I supposed to do at this point? Well, you know, I, I I'm sitting I'm sitting there, you know, with with my dad and my wife my fiance at the time and all i could think of is i don't have an estate plan everything's going to go to my ex-wife <laughs> um so, true story this that's why i got into estate planning um but uh so deathbed deathbed thoughts you know the, the the things that you think are going to occur to you in moments like that 
not even close, right? To, to you know, you, you're not having like the white light come to you or or shit like that. It's just like the the most random observations. You sure. know, I, be, before I I ended up having a liver transplant because of my uh, uh, illness, and I remember as the <laughs> as the uh, anesthesia was taking hold, I was looking around the OR and I was like this is the worst color purple I've ever seen in my life. And then I was out, <laughs> right? Just like, that, that's how it goes, right? The, yeah. the most absurd your credit, your, credit, your Your critical brain, right. Had, right. it's like, if I'm going to go out, this is how I'm going out. That's what <laughs> um, you know, but but you go through stuff like that and, and you realize that um, you are, in fact, mortal. That, you know, we are gifted with a vanishingly short period of, consciousness you know amongst this vast sea of nothing right yes and it's a singular point right exactly i see it. it's like it's just a, like, it's, like it's a, a it's a shockingly like like statistically insignificant period of time right yeah it's, it's all happening at once right that's right. right like i'm i'm here and not simultaneously exactly exactly um and you know, at, at least the way that that I responded to it, I understand that there's a different way to respond to it that some people do. But to me, it basically said, "Okay, well then, if if this is what we have, this is critically important, right? Um, every every moment that I have is a critically impor important moment, mm. um, and you know, I." as I was recovering from the transplant, you know, I, I had been out of practice of, of law for about a year at that point because I was just tremendously unwell. Um, and my wife uh, walked up to me, she said, so Owen, you, you know, you're doing a lot better. Do you think maybe you could start making some money again? It's killing. <laughs> like, like I, was, I don't, I don't mind being the, the, the sole, you know, yeah. breadwinner here, but it would be a lot of help. You know, if, um, and the thought of going back to a big firm just mm. gave me heart palpitations. It was, it was an absolute impossibility. Sure. And it wasn't necessarily because the work was empty, although it was. It wasn't that the money wouldn't have been good because it would have been. But I realized that with the time that I have, right, that the things that make people happy, whether or not we want to admit it, it's not money, right? It's not the car. It's not the house or, or shit like that. It's whether you have a purpose that that matters to you. Mm. And what right? was your, what what did, so through this uh, very tra tragic event, it allowed you the opportunity to... Uh, give yourself permission to find that purpose. And so what was it? What, what came to yeah. you? What, so, was your, what was your enlightened moment of now so this is Owen's purpose? The, the, the thing that I realized was um, I've always been an inherently creative person, right? Um, you know, I played music in bands. Um, you know, I, what was the best band name you ever had? Oh, you're not ready for this, Pat. Yeah, I am. I'm ready. I'm um, ready. 
in in graduate school, um, I played in a eighties hair metal cover band, full costume, right? I had a pink cowboy hat that I wore. Um, the name of the band was Pelvic Thunder. Oh, that's good. There's yeah. a, there was a um, in college some people at my uh, dorm, um, and mind you, I was at the Catholic dorm. <laughs> um, their band name, their cover band, was the Rhythm Method. Which is like natural family planning. So, right, right. we should go on tour together. I think um, would, would be would be really good. So, okay. So, with being kind of a a creative and thinking outside the box, you were you then took that to do what? I took it to give me permission to do the things that I wanted to do, as opposed to the things that I thought I was supposed to do or that I had to do, right? Um. So I started writing the, the novel that I had been thinking about for 10 years, right? I'm 50,000 words into it now. Um, you know, if something tickles my fancy, you know, if I want to start a podcast, I just do it, right? I don't care whether people listen to it. It'd be nice if people do, right? But, you know, my podcast is basically, I just want to talk with interesting people. That's it. It's an, it's an excuse, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like let, let me see if I can fool somebody into spending an hour with me and then have right? um, you know, and you've probably been delightfully surprised. The oh, number is that the people you reach out to are really appreciative and almost like in awe that you're asking. Right. And it and it makes you think like gosh, this this idea that we hold ourselves back from so much. We're our own self-critic. We're our own um, kind of barrier. Mm -hmm. And the second you start realizing that these are all just constructs of the mind, right. and, 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 you, and you remove them and start living, um, it's just amazing how other people then start um, noticing, right? And saying like, "Wow, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this." Like, "Oh, and you're doing cool shit, man." And 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 I uh, imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. At first, you're kind of like, "Am I?" Do of course, really, of course, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, it, one one of the things, um, it, it, Seth Godin, you know, has has a has a, he says, you know, art only happens when you take a chance that might not work. Right. In, like built into the making of art is that chance factor. Right. It might not work, but you do it anyway. Right. And it's that you do it anyway piece that is the key to any creative endeavor. Right. Yeah. We'll see. I hope it's good. I think it's a decent idea. It might fall on its face, but that's okay. I'll try it. Something else. And this, and this is the, um, quite frankly, I think is the antithesis of kind of the uh, attorney experience. You, you, you're not incentivized to try. You're not incentivized to innovate. You're not incentivized to really be yourself. It's to conform, to be homogenous. Um, and so what you and I are, I think you and I are doing something different with our firms, right? Because I think that to some extent, both of us see our firms as a creative exercise too. Oh yeah. It's, right? um, it's 
kind of following the process of um, the scientific method. Mm -hmm. I'm basically creating proofs and seeing if it works or not. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you can control some variables and some you can't. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like even in, let's say, the client experience, you're going to think this is funny. So we have a we have a intake tool on our mm -hmm. website, um, and we just it's easy, super easy to use. People pick a day and time where they can talk to me for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I had someone just uh, yesterday schedule a call for one uh, a time, and then in the message say, "But I need to talk a different time." And <laughs> and so it's fascinating. It's like even us attorneys that are trying to innovate, trying mm -hmm. to make it easy, um, you you come up across these things that are like, okay, um, even this might not work sometimes. Right. Um, and do I have to conform that for each individual person to have a customized experience for each individual client? Um, and what I've realized is that you don't because you don't. I, I don't want to conform. I want to I, I want to wear backwards hats. I want to wear hoodies. I want to mm -hmm. talk the way I talk. I want to do what I want to do. And if I don't get every client, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, th there is a tremendous um, freedom that you get when you realize that you're not for everybody and there's still enough people who are for you that you're oh. going to be okay. Right. That you can say, look, I wish you the very best, but, but we're just not a good fit. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not going to meet at 7 30 PM ever. <laughs> Never. Not, right? not now, not ever because that's, that's uh, me time. That's right. time for me to, do the things that I enjoy doing that fuel me, right? right? I'm an introvert. I imagine you're an introvert. Yep. And if and if I don't have my time to go, ugly. oh, it's it gets it gets <laughs> it gets to the point where I just told my wife today that it's like you know honestly I've like burned out on fun, which is a new <laughs> which is a new for me. I uh, like first time in my career. I've burned out before on misery. We we're like, oh, right. uh, no. But this is the first time I've burned out on like doing all the fun things. Um, and so how how do you find like your outlets outside of the legal practice? How does it inform like your day to day? Like, what do you do outside of? Because you do a lot of cool. You do a lot of things outside. Yeah, of you know, I, I mean, I I have set up my businesses to be uh, to fit into my life as opposed mm. to have my life fit into the obligations that I have with my business. Um, and that means sometimes leaving money on the table and not maximizing, you know, <laughs> shareholder value or whatever. Your own distributions to yourself. That's right. That's right. You know, but that's okay. Right. I mean, um, I'm actually a pretty simple person, right? The things that I care about and spend money on, you see behind me, right? Guitars and books. Um, How many guitars do you own? I own nine. 
Do they have names? They don't have names or personalities. They have person. They they all have a distinct sound, right? When, when I when I when my wife first moved in to, to where I was living, um, she was like, "Why do you need more than one?" I was like, well, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, I mean," I said, "Well, some of them are acoustics, some of them are electrics." And she's like, yeah. "Don't they all sound?" I was like, "No, they sound they, they each of them sound very different." Yeah, like, let me tell you, they all have a voice, right? You know, and then she's like, "Can we at least get rid of the banjo?" <laughs> like, it's like hell no. So did you? No, 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 no. I, 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 she, she did eventually get me to get rid of the drum set. Um, oh. But, well, I mean, that know. takes a lot of space. It takes up a lot of space. And when you live in a neighborhood, people don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but the guitar, I mean, yeah. What, what's so what? So I imagine it kind of you gravitate towards a particular guitar at a particular season of life. Yeah. Or no. I, I, so I, I think it depends on. I mean, maybe, you know, I, I used to, I, the, the guitar that I played the least now was probably one that I played the most when I was younger, just because you mm -hmm. can make it sound really angry. Ah, right. Mm -hmm. you, you can, you can get a snarl out of it that, you know, probably matched the way that, you know, my, my idiot, you know, 20 year old brain works. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right. Um, I'm not nearly as angry anymore. Right. Like life is pretty good. I am tremendously lucky. And you know. Um so do you, so now do you play more acoustic? Um, you you... I, I, I play a lot of acoustic. Um, and then I find myself playing the uh, a telecaster more than you know a um something with you know humbuckers like a um a Les Paul or or something like that, which have a thicker um sound mm -hmm. to them. My favorite, one of my favorite documentaries is with Jack White and it shows him just playing like a simple guitar with like, mm -hmm. um, where he hooks up like a makeshift guitar with like a one string over a Coca-Cola glass Coca-Cola bottle. Yeah. And it just shows you like how with creativity, it can come from scarcity. Or or limit oh, or right. limitations, yeah. and that right. dude can shred on just yeah. like this makeshift <laughs> guitar. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so that's kind of like you said, simplicity. Kind of this, what you're espousing, what you're living, is not necessarily complicated. No, you know um, the I try to limit complications as much as possible right um the i mean i say i'm not a complicated person my wife would probably disagree with me for, for, reasons, <laughs> that, for reasons that i'm not really talking about yeah yeah um, same, same right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like i but, used to think it's like this Owen. i used to think like i'm actually a laid-back person no it turns out i'm intense as fuck yeah yeah, like yep. people might think like, oh, like that dude's chill. No, I'm in it. Like I'm intense. Yeah. Like you know, I am gonna dial in. 
Like, you better watch out. I didn't even yeah. know I could do everything intensely. I could I could procrastinate intensely. Oh, I was the 100%. most intense procrastinator <laughs> on the face of the earth. My mom would be like, "Don't you have a paper due tomorrow?" I'm like, "Yeah." You're She's like, "Isn't dude. it ten o'clock at night?" I'm like, like "Yeah, I'll get started at one." <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it out. Right, it's so gonna it's, be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the best. I'm gonna I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And so it's it's um kind of in this yeah like um yes humans are complicated but what do you do to create the simplicity or to get well, get to the heart of things yeah you know so i i think um post transplant the best way that i've been able to put it is i went from type a right super competitive always wanting to you know be the best above and beyond. I'm now more like tape A minus. <laughs> like, I care. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do really, really good work for the people that I'm working with. Yeah. Um, but when I'm done, I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like lose sleep over, you know, whether or not, you know, my firm hits a quarterly goal. Right. Do I want it to? Yeah. Am I going to do what I can to, to make it happen? Sure. Right. But, you know, I, I, I am at the point where both my firms are doing well enough that I don't have to worry about paying a mortgage or my student loans or, you know, like I don't spend a whole lot of money. I live in abundance. Um, and so, um, you know, ultimately, you know, unless I get joy out of doing something, I'm just probably not going to do it. Like, <laughs> period if it doesn't serve you right and, and your purpose which is to live in abundance and happiness um in enjoyment um it doesn't serve that purpose it doesn't make the cut right yeah. um you know and so i've been going through this process recently of just ruthlessly letting go mm -hmm. um even things that previously I enjoyed or previously those, those, are the most, those are the ones that are, that feel best to let go. Yeah. You're like this, uh, I'm done. This was great. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to let go. One of my, my favorite episode of chef's table. I don't know mm -hmm. if you ever watched chef's table on Netflix, but there's one of a chef in, uh, Patagonia and he had a friend. <laughs> who contacted him and was like, hey, are, what's going on? And he just said, well, I just, I just don't have anything in common anymore. I just kind of don't like you. Um, and it was brutal, right? Yeah. But it's, it's um, kind of the relationship with different forms of ourself, mm -hmm. right? That um, got us here. That you say well it's time to go old friend i'm i'm done i'm done with i'm done with the angry version i'm done yeah. with the the you know constant consummately disappointed version mm -hmm. i'm done with the person who doesn't want to celebrate life's little joys i'm done with all of you and so how do you how have you kind of um reinvented or found these these partners of self 
to move forward. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think some of it is recognizing that driving it is a kind of sunk cost fallacy, right? Um, you know, and and you can say, mm -hmm. you know, thank you, you 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 did what you you know, like, you got me here. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate you. I'm out. Um, you know, to, to your point, you know, like being ruthlessly honest doesn't necessarily mean not appreciating, right? Mm. It, can be it can be compassionate. 100%, right? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it can be incredibly freeing both, both to yourself. If it's another person, it can be freeing to them too, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to put it into a slightly different context, sometimes letting somebody go from a business is the best thing that you can do for them. Right? Mm -hmm. No, you're, you're not happy here. This isn't working. Yeah. Go find go find what makes you happy. Right. Yeah. Um, it's no different with friends or um, sometimes family members and sometimes yourself. Right. I mean, we we have this notion, um, you know that that we have a self. I'm sorry. That's that's just <laughs> that's just not really how how it works. Right. I mean, yeah. um, the self the self is everything. You know, it's. Um, I, I've been reading a ton um, about Zen Buddhism mm -hmm. and, you know, that idea of a separate self. It's like, no, no, we are the cloud. We are, right. we are the rain. What is a tree? It is also the rain. Um, without the rain, there is no tree. Without the sun, there is no human. And it's, mm -hmm. once you start breaking you acknowledge that and you understand that and you start seeing how really there's this interconnectivity. 100%. Um, is that life really just starts to vibrate mm -hmm. and resonate. Um, and that's what's happened for me is just like, okay, um, there really are no barriers. There aren't these structures. There isn't this contingent living of if, when, this um it all just is there there's this sense of kind of peace mm -hmm. when you can kind of understand that and acknowledge that even the person you are right now in this moment was different than the last even from like a, a biological standpoint like your cells are different you're that's right you're, your mind is different. The way you experience something is different. Um, it's yeah. just a, a beautiful happening. Yeah. You know? I, um, it's, there's, there's a lot there to unpack, right. You know, and that doesn't even, that doesn't even get into just the, the contextual nature of things, right. Um, you behave differently if you're sitting down with your grandmother you use different language. You use different tone. You use different. You, know, you might sit differently, right? Than you would if you're with, you know, your best friend from college who you haven't seen in a little while, and you know the language is probably going to be a little, a little bit more coarse, right? And you know, there's probably going to be more laughing and, and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> you know, are those different people? Or are they the same? Mm. Like, though, I think mm. are meaningly meaningless distinctions, right? Mm. Um, mm. So. You know, it, it's one of those things where we think that we've got this core of who we are, 
right? And maybe we have certain predilections that are genetically, you know, we're sure. predisposed to or conditioned, you know, as we grow up as, you know, um, you know, uh, very clever monkeys in the world. But, um, you know, th this notion, you know, like, th there was a, a moment where, you know, I, I wanted to get angry, right? Because somebody said something about something that I had done previously, right? Mm. And then I realized, like, okay, but, like, I wouldn't, like, there was there was just, like, a fundamental disconnect in my mind between myself and, and that former one and what they were, you know, like, it just, it, like, there was something about it that just yeah. didn't, it, like, it was, like, grammatically, it didn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's like, um, yes, that was me, and it is still me. Because everything you have done informs who you are. Sure. Um, but you have to be able to let go. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's in that letting go, that process of letting go that you can move forward. Um, oh, and this is awesome. I, I um, We could just do, like, this every day. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and we haven't even gotten into certain things, but I'll leave you with this because I leave everyone with this, with this question of what do you think it means to be a newfangled lawyer? I mean, I, I think, at least for me, it comes down to realizing that the way that you practice law or you set up your business um, can be done to, to suit you. Right, and to suit the people that you want to serve in ways that um, don't have to conform to tradition or to you know the standard ways of thinking about things, um, and that can take any number of of you know forms. Um, I mean, I don't take clients who insist on meeting me in person. Right? Do I meet clients in person? Yeah, sometimes. But if that is a condition to the representation, mm -hmm. say, you know, that's, that's just not going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to do that 20 years ago. Oh, well. Right. I mean, yeah. for all kinds of technical reasons, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, also yeah. just like the, the notion that, you know, no, you're going to come into my office and you're going to sit with a bunch of overdressed people and you're going to be uncomfortable because we're going to offer you coffee on some you know, stupid serving plate. You're going to sit in a room that has a view over downtown with heat clad, you know, walls. Like that's how you do it. Right. And it's like, well, the, the, the breadth in which now you can do it is mm -hmm. um, so broad and you can still, this because this is what I've been going around saying is there's obviously what's required to be ethical to meet mm -hmm. your professional responsibility. Absolutely. But can't can't you do that in a hoodie? Yes. Unless you're in court. Are. Unless unless you're in court, right? And I don't go to court. You don't go to court. There's plenty of attorneys yeah. that don't go to court. Um, you, you know, yeah. one of the touchstones that I have, right out of law school, I clerked for a judge. And the judge I clerked for refused to wear a robe into the courtroom. Right? And at one point I said, and I said, so so why why don't you wear your robe? And he looked at me and says, why do I have to be the only one dressed like a clown? Hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going uh, to expand upon this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, 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 can, how many times can I turn over that stone to find new ways right. to that's, that's right. discover that's right. that you, you can be stone? So, well, Owen, this was 
amazing, my friend. Um, thank you so much for being here and for your sage wisdom um, and for sharing your experience. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. We will have to do this again. Um, I'm not sure it was sage wisdom so much as me just spouting off nonsense <laughs> you know, in the eye of the beholder. Um, yeah. uh, 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 well, it's all uh, subjective. It's from my subjective experience, whether true. or not that's anyone true. else agrees. That's, that was, uh, We're getting to the hermeneutics of podcasting. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. This is the point of the podcast where I hit stop record. Um, okay, here you go.